0: Hello, and welcome to the PhD Addicted to Research podcast. My name is Ayan Ahmed. I'm a third year PhD student at the University of Surrey. My research project looks at the neurobehavioral and biological processes of chat, which is a plant that is chewed in the Middle East and East Africa for its psychostimulant properties. Today's podcast is all about the writing up of your thesis and to help us navigate somewhat through this are my fellow SSAPs, Carol and Dan. Hi. hi. Hi
1: Anne. Okay, so my name's Dan and I'm a final stage PhD researcher based at the University of East London. Uh, and I'm currently writing my thesis at the moment uh, which is on the molecular mechanisms of alcohol addiction.
2: Hi, my name is Carol and I okay so I'm a postdoc at the Addictions Department at King's College London. I submitted my thesis seven months ago so I'm still in the in the in-between stage where I'm not quite a PhD postdoc just yet so submitting corrections and waiting for the the final outcome. Thank you for joining us today
0: and welcome. Um, So did either of you do any form of workshop training with regards to writing up your thesis?
2: So I didn't attend any um, formal writing up workshop um, and actually I found the the writing up period wasn't very well defined and it's going to be different for everybody so um some people yeah i've been asked i've been asked along the way well when do you start writing up how long do you think it takes and i think that's a really difficult question to actually answer because for me i started writing up my thesis um in my first year so whenever you whenever you go along throughout the whole stage of doing your phd you're going to be writing up little bits um, little bits and pieces so if you have to write up um, a systematic review or an art of review in your topic, getting everything together. That's going to ultimately form part of your introduction chapter as well. So all the bits and pieces that you write up as you go along will um, go in. Probably will go into your thesis. Um, it may need revised and <laughs> and redraft and redraft and redraft, but it will ultimately um, form part of your form part of your thesis. And also if you have to write any protocols for any research studies that you do along the way, that material can be recycled as well. So for me, it wasn't really a defined period. But I would say that I was knuckling down in the write-up stage for probably the last nine months of my of my PhD. But I didn't do any formal, no formal workshops, no training. I just <laughs> knuckled down, tied myself to the computer chair and made myself right.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm the opposite to Carol, actually, that I did to go to a workshop that was hosted by my university um, as part of um, the PhD development program. So they offer a series of seminars on a range of different topics which you can sign up for. And my uh, university put on um, one on how to prepare and to put together the thesis. Um, so what this workshop consisted of was what the thesis was, how to kind of get in the mindset of preparing it And bringing together, like Carol said, all of these documents that you've prepared throughout your your PhD thus far. And also getting um, to the stage whereby you can submit the thesis um, as it's being prepared. Um, So I did um, go to a workshop, which I guess could be classed as formal training. Um, I know there's lots of resources online as well, which will prepare you um, for this. But. Definitely checking your university to see if there's any workshops or seminars that are available to help prepare you um, would be a good piece of advice. I think.
2: I wish I had a fair, listened to that advice before I started my <laughs> before I got to that stage. <laughs> I feel like I probably should have went to some workshops and some training because it really would have helped um, in the process. And actually, I hadn't. I didn't know what a PhD thesis looked like until yeah, no. my final that's, year.
1: That's that's a very um, important thing. I only know now as I'm in you know, full-on write-up stage what my thesis will look like. I don't think anybody understands what their thesis is going to look like until they've got to the point where they can formally go, right, this is my thesis, I've got clear, defined chapters, this is the flow, this is the overview of my PhD, and my PhD is formed. And I don't think anybody can tell you what it's going to look like at the beginning of when you start writing either.
0: That's actually a really good point, because I've also started writing up, I'm in my third year and um, again just for me I like structure and I like knowing where things go and I like to kind of plan that out but not knowing what a thesis looks like, how to structure what I want to write, knowing what I should be writing has been a bit of a, a struggle so how have you guys managed to kind of navigate what you should be putting where and 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 what information should you be putting in
1: these chapters? So, that's that's a really good point as well and I'm sure that many listeners will be thinking exactly the same thing, that they like like to think that they know what's going to be in the thesis and what's in the thesis, I think, and you will find out very different things. So I think at the beginning of your PhD journey when you're planning out your studies, um, these will naturally form chapters that go into your thesis. Um, but I've found and maybe Carol will agree or disagree in a moment, but that some chapters can be subdivided um, some studies can be subdivided or merged with other things because that's a more logical way of explaining your findings. Um, so I think it's great to have clear intentions of where you want to go but linking back to my previous point it's only when you're in the midst of writing that you really find out what your PhD thesis is going to look like Um, but having a clear plan in your mind is a a great thing uh, no matter what you're doing in your PhD but what I think makes you you know adaptable and versatile is that you can acknowledge when it's time to let go of that plan and make modifications for the better. There's no point sticking with a plan be- because that's the plan I've set if it's not going to, you know, make your work beneficial, be beneficial to your work.
2: Totally agree. And um, what do you think, And Carol? I remember, Dan, right at the start, whenever well, not right at the start, I would say it was probably whenever I was in my second year and I was starting to think about the daunting process of writing out my thesis. And I kept getting hooked up on, OK, chapter one's going to be this, chapter two's going to be this, chapter three. And I was I was almost trying to force... Um, different pieces and uh, and the content into those predefined chapters that I had somewhat created and, and my supervisors kept saying you know it's okay to have a preliminary structure but and, but that will change as you go along and things will naturally fit into a different chapter and it's okay to move that and that makes sense and I think it's quite a unique decision um, that you will have to make because no two theses are going to look the same um, and the way that you structure that will ultimately depend on um, the the methods that you have taken, um, your methodology and the way that you want to actually submit your thesis, um, so different institutions will have different regulations on that. But I submitted my thesis was submitted incorporating publications, um, so as opposed to writing up your thesis in a more conventional sense, where you would then attach if you have any publications, you would attach that as an, an appendix at, at the end. Actually, one of my chapters was a publication, and right at the start, I thought that I was going to been very optimistic. I thought that our three main studies, I'm going to publish my three main studies and um and include them as the publications within my thesis. So each chapter would have their own introduction, methods, results, discussion. So they would form a standalone um studies. But actually in the end I had one publication which was a systematic review meta- meta-analysis. So it made sense to be a standalone chapter and then the rest of it didn't it, it didn't form the structure that I originally thought it was going to um, and I had a completely separate methods chapter but I think it's, it's important to have an idea of what your structure may look like and where your content may be placed um, and you can work on that as you go along and it's quite an iterative process and the final product may not look like your original structure and what you thought of at the start but my tip and what I found super helpful was Quite early on, it must have been within the first six months of my PhD, I created a template document where I just put the headings introduction, um, literature review or narrative review, whatever it was, method, results, discussion. And whenever I came across um, a particular research article or I had some I some thought or initial interpretation of what I had found, especially with my qualitative work, um, before you actually do the formal analysis you do have some interpretation of what it is and how the data is shaping up and I would have went back to my template and just jotted that down within the chapter that I thought that it would ultimately fall within. Um, so at the end whenever I came to the writing up stage of my, of my uh, thesis I wasn't starting with a blank document, I was starting with this template that had a hundred different ideas in it and had some sort of structure that I would follow. Um and I think that really helped me to not feel discouraged discouraged because I think the worst thing is just staring at a blank screen. Um and I find it really difficult to get going with that. So by having this template and some sort of idea of how, what it might look like, I was able then to take okay, I will start writing on chapter three, chapter four, the methods and getting that together without actually sitting down with a blank screen and trying to yeah, trying to trying to make a start then.
0: And off the back of that also being a little bit more flexible. Um, with your template and your structure because things can move around, um, as both of you guys said, where it fi- where it fits best as well. Um, just off the back of that, some of the advice that I was given earlier on was just to get writing. And it seems like it was really sound advice, but at the same time, it was quite daunting. Like, what do you mean just get writing? <laughs> like, what do I write? Where do I begin? So in terms of like those that are kind of like towards... don't know 12 to nine month stage of before they submit how can they kind of get into the frame um, work of actually writing every day Um, is there a structure for that
2: that was a piece of advice actually that one of my supervisors gave me very early on was just write something every day Um, and of course that's easier said than done and I didn't write every day, but I would have tried to at least, you know, at least every week be writing something that would form um, part of my thesis, which I find was super helpful then whenever it came to actually this writing up stage, which was, as I said, it's not a very defined stage, but within that uh, final part of my PhD, I've just solidly sitting at the computer research collect or my data collected sitting to write up. I found that really helpful, but it is, it can be a very daunting task. Um, and it's quite a lonely process of writing up as well, because unlike when you're actually in the lab, as you are, Dan, not me, not me. But for me, I wasn't in the clinic anymore. I wasn't collecting my data. I was sitting behind my computer writing up. It can be a really lonely stage, um, and I think it's it can be quite daunting as well. But if you have some words on a page initially, and um, that you have that you've come up with along the way, that makes it so much easier.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, that's a really good. Um, point to make, Um, I was also given the same piece of advice, Um, I didn't follow it, Um, and that's not to say that the advice wasn't good, but for me it didn't work, Um, I tried, I really really tried, but like you said Ian, it's daunting, and I think that's something that every listener needs to do if you're in the you know, in the midst of writing or thinking about starting to write, is that you need to find what works for you. And we've said it in countless episodes now. It's all about finding your PhD feet, and this is almost finding your PhD writing feet. You have to do what works for you. I did not want to be writing sentences every day if I knew that they weren't going to make sense, or if, or if even if it was content that I wasn't going to include. For me, I wanted to be writing. Um, Sections of text that I knew was good, and at times that was really inhibiting because, of course, I wasn't always going to be able to write good quality writing, and you will you will always hear advice that it's better to have something than nothing, and you have a draft, you build upon that, and the drafts become better and better and better. But being a perfectionist and having perfectionist traits like I do, for me, that's very very challenging to write something that I know is not of the best quality. However, if I am going to give advice to previous me in the months that have just gone by, I would be saying just try and write something and anything that would make your life easier. So, again, I think it's really important to find what works for you. But my bit of advice that I wish I would have listened to is just write something, even if you know it's not perfect. It will definitely make life easier.
0: That's actually some really good advice. Um, I try to get up every day and and write something. I have to sit and write something. Um, Did you guys set yourself a target with regards to, like, word count Um, or hours? Was there a particular structure?
1: Well, that's something that I found difficult as well. And I'm using the past and the present tense because... I'm at the very late stages of PhD thesis writing. So my thesis is formulated and I'm very close to submitting now. So I'm talking in the past and the present because I am living the experience, but also I've had many months go by where I have been writing. So finding the structure again, I would say you need to find what works for you. I went through stages of very um, early morning was working for me. And then all of a sudden something changed whereby I was finding myself writing very late at night. And I guess it's very important to note for our listeners that people will be doing different things. You will have different schedules. You might be completely desk based um, at home. You might be in the lab. As Carol already mentioned, I worked in the laboratory, so I didn't have much time necessarily in my day to day work with the computer. So it was difficult for me to write and I had to take time in the evenings or on the train. Um, people might be working in, in the field or in, in a hospital. So it's very you know difficult to tell people what the structure is that they should follow, but it's important to find your own structure that works for you but I think it's important to try and give yourself, especially if you're still data collecting or writing up your um, and doing your analysis of the of the data collection, that you know any time is better than no time in terms of writing and as Carol's already alluded to, uh, alluded to before you can recycle bits of text that you've already written, whether it be a publication or maybe an annual monitoring review document that you've had to submit as part of your uh, supervision. Um, I know every year that I have a a monitoring um, interview with my university to make sure I'm on track. You might have a transfer from MPhil to PhD. There's loads of different reports and documents that you can recycle things from, and I think that's really key. So setting aside time is good but make sure it's in a structure that works for you.
2: I agree with that and very much for me, I, I didn't set myself any goals if I need to write so many words every day. Cause to me, if I didn't achieve that, then I'm just, I'm gonna beat myself up because I, I didn't get that goal. So for me, my goal was just to be on task every day to do a little bit. It didn't matter how big or how small it was as long as I was at my computer writing up something. Um, but another thing to remember whenever it comes to writing up stage, it's not just your schedule that you have to consider. It's also your supervisors because ultimately They are the ones who are going to be providing you feedback um, and signing off all your chapters, the final stage of um, all of your chapters. So, you need to be super realistic um, about the time that it's going to take to do all of that. So, it's not only how long is it going to take me to draft this chapter, but how long do my supervisors need to read my chapter and to give me feedback, and then how long is it going to take me to redraft that. So, these discussions need to take place with your supervisor really early on. Um, For me, I create it. A Gantt chart uh, with a timeline, and I put into each of my chapters, um, and then also considered okay, so whenever chapter one is with my supervisors, I'm working on chapter two. So they always had something at this final stage, they always had something to be looking at for me um, and give me feedback. So it's about being super organized and efficient with the time that you have. And I, from, from my experience, that takes longer than you may initially than you may initially think. But you do need to be realistic and you do need to come up with your timeline along with your supervisors because they, of course, are super busy people. And although it may take you um two weeks or whatever to come up with a chapter, it, it may take them three, four weeks to get around to actually reading over your chapter and giving you the feedback that you need. So I think, yeah, that would be that, that was probably what I found um, was most beneficial, was having that timeline, having the deadlines. Everybody's agreed to them um, and we all stick to them. Otherwise, nobody has anything to work towards um, and it could be an ever-ending cycle.
0: Thank you so much for that. Um, some really good points there. One of the things that you mentioned was about beating yourself up. Um, as I'm writing up, I'm finding that there are days where I'm just like really frustrated with myself. And speaking to also peers who are writing up, there are days where we kind of have like really down moods. Were there anything that either of you guys did to kind of help you be more motivated, but also just things to
2: consider when thinking about your own mental well-being and physical well-being? For me, even though, you know, even though I was on time and I and I knew that I was kind of like on task and I was um, I was making good progress with it. I there was many of the times where I doubted that I was going to be able to produce a a good piece of work, and I think that came whenever you work so hard on drafting these chapters and you send them off for feedback. And of course, you're going to get feedback, and the more substantial and the more um, nitpicking that feedback is, the better it's going to be because then the next draft of your chapter is going to be is going to be of better quality. But I find that quite difficult to deal with because you spend so long, you put so much effort into creating this chapter and then it comes back and you need to revise it and that's a little bit disheartening and at that time you can feel quite isolated and you can you can kind of lock yourself away and just focus on writing up your thesis and you can cancel standing meetings that are in your diary that you know are not necessarily you know super important for you to attend and then you end up you're just sitting at your computer screen typing all day and you haven't actually saw anybody or spoke to anybody so my advice would be and what I did was attend it we had PhD catch-ups every week and I would have went along to them even though the only update I had that week was maybe I wrote 100 words it doesn't matter it's still important to engage with people have some form of communication with people and that level of support otherwise it can feel like a really lonely isolating time where you're just constantly revising a piece of work that you do putting a lot of effort into it and feeling like you're never getting anywhere with it and you're not quite sure when they end um, it's going to happen so definitely try and stay connected with people use the support networks around you talk to people um, and especially if you feel like you've hit a brick wall and you're not quite sure um, you're not quite sure how to go forward with a chapter especially your discussion chapter when you need to take a step back from your PhD and from your thesis and, and consider where it fits within the context of the wider literature it's really helpful to actually connect with other colleagues who aren't so close to it to see what their uh, perspective on it is it can really help getting Uh, some thoughts flowing about how to tackle your discussion chapter.
3: Hello and today I'm uh, joined, I'm very grateful to be joined by Nicola Metrobian uh, who's a Senior Research Fellow at King's Addiction Science Department who's supervised many people through um, successful writing up and fevers. Um, So thank you for joining me. Um, Could you Maybe start by talking a bit about your experience of supervising people who are writing up.
4: Uh, I could, yes. So um, I've, had a, a, I've supervised a couple of uh, PhD students and uh, I, I suppose in a way just to sort of thinking about before the writing up process, just thinking about the, uh, the whole process of uh, undertaking your, your PhD and writing up your thesis I mean, in a way, the whole aspect of your PhD is you're undertaking a process. It's all about the, the, the process of it. So not only is it the, the finished product, but you also need to think about how you move through that product from, uh, or move through that, uh, that process, you know, starting off with which supervisors you might choose. And, uh, and I think you know, that's something to begin with you know, What you shouldn't, I would advise against doing, is choosing those who are at the top of their field and not thinking about whether you might get on with them or be able to work with them. And even more importantly, or equally as importantly, whether you might, uh, they will give you the time that you need. So, you know, I think above everything else that's most important you really need to choose a supervisor who's going to be able to supervise you provide you with those uh those sessions regularly to make sure you're on track and can support you so uh, i suppose that's a sort of the first thing that i would say going back to it being a a a process i wouldn't worry too much if you you know, often you're wanting to, you know, get everything set in stone, and that's really my point about it being a process, because, you know, even when you're thinking about your, your, you know, the aims of of your thesis, you know, right at the start, you know, you probably won't have the same aim as you will have later on. You know, your aim is likely to change. You know, you need to think about having an overarching uh, aim of your thesis and, and then objectives. But it's very hard at the start to know what that will be. And actually, it's through your readings. It's through talking to, you know, other experts in the field, and also discussing it with your supervisor, that you will then start that process of honing your uh, your overarching aim into what it should be <clears throat> and in terms of so in terms of the, the the writing up, don't leave it to the last minute you know, um, so you know, and, and again, it's about having those regular meetings with your supervisor, making sure you've got them but also make sure you plan out a timetable because 3 years looks like an awful long time until you realize that actually there's an awful lot that you want to do bearing in mind that it's a process and you will you know you will be you know changing and fine tuning things as you go along you want to make sure that you've left yourself enough time to write up your thesis so i would always suggest that uh, people start making drafts, start putting down, um, if you like, sort of headers for chapters. So, and I think that helps you as well, if it, um, to think about, you know, what you need to know, what you need to look at. And then with the writing, then with the writing up, most important to work backwards. So, when do you need to submit it? And in which case you've got to work out. Well, if I need to submit it. I'm going to be working on different chapters but my supervisors because there's usually more than one need to also have a look at that so you need to build in that time as well so that you're giving your supervisors enough time to comment on your chapters and for you to get them back and then to uh, you know obviously to revise the chapters accordingly. So it's about I suppose being very very organised first of all about it, um, and also bearing in mind that you're you're likely to go through a number of iterations of that chapter to get it right. Um, and 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 often it's very difficult to put pen to paper to start with. So if your supervisor's coming back with lots of comments, I wouldn't worry too much. Because it's always, you know, you just have to remember it's so much easier to be the person looking at somebody's work and commenting on it rather than the person who's got a blank sheet of paper in front of them and is trying to, trying to write. But you know, I also think it's better to try and write something much earlier on and give it to your supervisor to see, to make sure that your writing's on the right track that you're writing in the right style, because there is obviously a style to write uh, for you, in, in which you need to write your thesis. So it's better to start that process earlier and uh, and then make sure that you get help. And if you need a bit of help for writing, there are resources out there. And of course, there's lots of training uh, workshops too that you can go on, which will help you around your writing too. So...
3: Um so going back to when you said about um your supervisors uh looking at your work and, and that this kind of um evolves over time um and I, I certainly uh remember that from 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 my experience um but as a supervisor is there ever a point where you're reading something up in in the final year as someone's writing up and you all of a sudden kind of go oh I understand what this this is about now this kind of does it does it kind of emerge or or is your job much more trying to help people say what you already know that they're going to say.
4: Ah, and that's that's a, that's a very interesting point, in fact, because I think as a supervisor, what you're wanting, and yes, in the writing art, but I think before, you'd see that before that, you know, you're wanting your student to own it. You know, you probably have ideas of what it should look like, but actually what you're looking for is your student to... You know, for it to be obvious that your student has owned this piece of work, that they're coming back to you and, uh, and if you like, and, and suggesting ideas or, or perhaps even, you know, critiquing and saying, well, actually, I'm not sure why would that would be a good way of doing it. Could we not do it this way? So I think as a supervisor, you would be looking to see that level of uh, discussion much earlier on before seeing it in the writing and but that and that does develop but you are looking for that to develop and that's really really important and and i think there's a time in a um i think there's probably a time for a a, a student where for them less so maybe more so for the uh, for the uh, for the supervisor but i think for them it probably clicks and then they think ah oh, I get it, you know, I understand, and I understand how it all fits together, Um, because, you know, as I say, at the start you have, you know, often the supervisor's the one with the idea, or perhaps some of the idea, so, you know, uh, often the student is, you know, this is not their area uh, of expertise, which is why they're doing their PhD, so that's why I say it's a process, you know, it's a process of doing your PhD, of learning about research methods, of learning to be an independent researcher, and... um, so I think that you know, for the student, they are likely to you know struggle. Probably, I think it's quite difficult at the start to to work out what it is they're supposed to be doing. How how and is this actually a a thesis? And what do you mean an overarching aim? What is that? You know, all of those things. And how is all these studies supposed to fit together? And then I think after a while it does click and I think he, as a supervisor you see that in your discussions as well as then seeing it in the uh in the writing too and that's why I'm saying the aims and objectives are so important because that that usually in my experience those are the most difficult things to get right
3: absolutely I mean it's, it's like the first and last thing you write almost it's kind of you know the first thing that you write yes. and the last thing that clicks into place um so uh, you know you said this is all about advanced planning. And I think I'd completely agree. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, you can almost cram an essay in a, in a few overnighters and you certainly can't do that with a thesis. Um, okay. Absolutely not. <laughs> at, what, at what point should someone, should someone start thinking about um, an extension? Um, yeah.
4: Um, and, and I think that's, that again is about timetabling. So, you know, you need to have your, your timetable of writing it up. Um, and, to be honest, that's quite difficult because there are different. Uh, I suppose there are different stages, of course, of doing your PhD, and part of that's around data collection. So you know there could be a stage of the data collection where you realise, particularly if you're reliant on, I don't know, if you're reliant on somebody else's piece of work. Perhaps you're, perhaps in the department, your supervisor and others are, are doing a large trial and they're not able to recruit to it, um, or something similar to that. You know, all you, you yourself, your own piece of work, are struggling about uh, with the, the recruitment. That could potentially have a knock-on effect. So I think, I think there are points in data collection where uh, this could happen. It could be around recruitment. It could be actually you just can't collect whatever data it was you hoped to do for whatever reason. And it might be that it's not necessarily an extension you need, but you might discuss with your supervisor perhaps the ways of of changing uh, your methods slightly. Um, But that's one area. Then the next area, of course, would be around, as you say, writing up. And that's probably more common, where you realise it's going to take you a lot longer to do. Something happens. You know, we can't always predict life. Um, And so I think that's, again, something that you need to talk to your supervisor about. So it's impossible to say sort of when that is, but you should be discussing if you'd set out that plan with your supervisor and you should be, your supervisor should know and so should you whether you are on track to actually get those, um, those chapters in. And of course, at King's, we have this structure whereby you have to provide this six-monthly report which ensures that your supervisor is thinking about this uh, and your supervisor has to say, really, you know, I think that they're they're OK, that they don't need an extension. Um, so I think it's about really keeping an eye on that and ensuring that you are in that dialogue with your supervisor all the time to check that that's okay. But, and, and do put your hand up and say, if you're worried, you know, tell your supervisor, <laughs> even yeah. if it's quite early on, that you're worried or you think there might be a problem.
3: You, you won't be the first person to have asked for an extension on their PhD.
4: Absolutely not, you will not uh, at all. Um, and of course, we're talking about PhDs, but people do PhDs in different ways. So, you know, people do a PhD because they, uh, and they have a, and it's full-time and they have a three-month funded position. Um, and some people like myself did a PhD part-time and it took me six years to do it and I had two children in between. So, you know, you you, you it, it's very different for different, uh, for different people. Yeah, so don't feel that you have to. Uh, hit that mark uh, if it was going to then cause you problems talk to your supervisor Wonderful,
3: uh, thank you very much Nicola Matrebian Thank uh, you Rob
0: One question that I do have also um, around writing up especially for students that may not have English as their first language where English may not be their first language um, I think one of the challenges in writing up is am I writing academically, am I writing good quality work? What advice would you give to students, as I said, whose English whose in language first language may not be English?
1: Yeah. So um I would I would say um having shared an office with international students, um I know that this can be a really challenging thing and Carol's already said it's important not to beat yourself up. Now being a PhD student, you would have already had to have proven through um, an English language qualification that you can speak and write in a coherent manner in English. But that doesn't mean the challenges are not there. So I think that with your supervisors, it's important to establish that if you are having problems or having difficulties with putting your thoughts to paper, that they're aware of it. They may be um, might be able to offer some some extra support in the drafting, so they can focus on, um, you know, the way that you're writing and in the style that you're writing. But also making them aware gives them a chance to help you further. So they might be able to offer some resources that are available in your university. I know that we have, um, again, seminars and workshops, and also a team that are dedicated to help people that don't have English as a um, first language. so you might be able to get some uh, academic writing support there. So I know that the university that I'm in has a proofreading service for people that don't have English as a as a first language. And it's not something that you can submit the night before you're due for a submission. They have to have a little bit of notice and time. But I know that there are services available and also support um, packages available. Um, but also your peers as well. If you're stuck with something or want somebody to read over a piece of text. Again, don't ask them uh, with an hour's notice before submission. But I know that I have read um, a, a chapter for my friend um, who was... Um actually submitting their annual monitor and review not that long ago and I read through the chapter for her and I didn't have a problem with that and it was very easy for me to go through with a red pen like a teacher and just rather than understand the content just read through sentence structure and things but there's a lot you know people will be willing to help if if needs be um, but also don't be so hard on yourself not only are you doing a PhD but you've chosen to do it in another language which I think is really um, ad- admirable and you should hold your head high and th- know that you're doing a great thing. So. Um, what about what about you, Carol? Do you have anything to add on that? Any experiences in your uh, office or anything?
2: I think you covered all similar experience international students and, uh, you know, I always imagine how difficult it can be. That but the the support is there, the services are there. You just need to have a feel of them. And as you said, Dan, just getting colleagues and peers to proofread your work because that can be super helpful, even if English is your first language. But you but you struggle a little bit. Um, they're going to see things that you don't necessarily see um, with it, within your writing.
0: I think that's kind of like spot on. Even if English is your first language, we all kind of struggle to get into the academic, you know, mindset of writing <laughs> thesis uh, in a scientific way. Um, is there any final advice you would like to give to our listeners um, for those that are embarking, currently in, or finishing up their writing stage?
2: so just one just I, th- I think we've covered um i think we've covered quite a bit but one one final thing that i want to say is if you find it difficult to get get yourself motivated to actually sit down and start writing there are a number of techniques that you can use and you can out- sign up to writing retreats or writing or virtual writing groups um or using the pomodoro technique where you write for 25 minutes 25 minutes on take 5 minutes out um and repeat that four times and then take a 20 minute break and I know that that can be super helpful for getting people to just focus the mind um, and, and stay at the computer and it's just short bursts of writing up and especially if you're doing it with a group of people even virtually on Teams or Microsoft or or Zoom or whatever it might be you can still do that and it just helps you feel a little bit more connected and motivated to actually sit and write up something.
1: Yeah I think that's really great advice Um it's something I struggle with even to this day that that sitting down and focusing Um, i find that the biggest thing that helps me is to actually take yourself away from whatever it is you're trying to do whether that be writing the thesis or preparing for a meeting or something it sounds counterproductive but just taking yourself away for a little while really does help me to sort of refresh and rethink and go go back to the task at hand with a clear head and I'm speaking as if I'm a model PhD student here that has the writing uh, of the thesis down to a T and I'm perfect at it. I'm definitely not. Um, and I spend a lot of time moaning about it when really I should be actually doing it. And I'm a creator of my own pressure, really, by leaving things to the last minute sometimes. But again, by by talking about it and going away and keep providing resources of to where you can get advice, um, I think PhD students before you or at a higher um level than you in terms of their uh, PhD journey so far, will often be able to give helpful advice and comments and put you into um, into the right direction of useful uh, resources. Um, it's something that's maybe uh, controversial and sometimes frowned upon. Um, I'm a Twitter user and I find the Twitter community a um, uh, academic chatter for example the hashtag academic chatter to be a really good resource i know that sometimes there's a negativity out there but it's important to know that people are often Um, more than willing to help. So if I put out a tweet and said that I'm struggling with the thesis today, people often jump in and give motivation or different resources to look at. And Carol's Carol's already said the Pomodoro technique, which is something that I use whereby I work for 25 minutes and have five minutes off. Or if I'm really deep into something, I extend it, I double everything. So I have 50 minutes work, 10 minutes rest. Um, And that's something that's really good and useful as well. But I think think the, the main thing is that it's something that we all don't want to do, but we have to, so it's again I'm going to reiterate the point that you just have to find what works for you what works for your environment that you're working in maybe you have childcare responsibilities caring of of um, members of the family you you have to find what works for you and I think that's the the b one end all of it um that is something we don't want to do but we have to and we will people will. You know, look at how many people have got the PhD before you and and how much they struggled, maybe, or you saw the the pain that they were going through, but ultimately they got there, and so will you as well.
0: Thank you so much, Dan. Um, I think for me, as I'm at the start of the write-up phase, um, the advice that I would possibly give to our listeners is um, think about your environment. You know, I try to kind of write in a space that is, you know, has natural light or well lit, um, good ventilation, a decent chair really does help. (laughs) I've had like back issues from, you know, sitting on the floor or on the bed, but having like, you know, good space um, would help you also to be a little bit more productive. And as Dan said, the online Twitter community is amazing. Through them, I've been able to find other PhD students from like across the world. Um, and you know joining forums where you could all kind of sit and you know virtually online while everyone's writing and getting on with their studies has been really really motivating but also helpful well that's it from us today we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode Thank you, Carol and Dan, for sharing your experiences of writing up your thesis. And lastly, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And we'll see you for the next episode, which will air in the next couple of weeks. Please retweet and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss the next episode. Thank you.